the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is presented by The Athletic. With sports leagues inching closer to a return, there's no better place to keep up with everything happening than The Athletic. Their newsroom delivers all access reporting and powerful stories you won't find anywhere else. Download the app, follow your favorite teams and leagues, and get a personalized feed full of great content and podcasts built just for you as a fan. There's no ads, no clickbait, just sports coverage bringing you closer to the heart of the game. Visit theathletic.com slash track S-P-O-T-R-A-C, for 40% off your first year subscription today. My thanks to them. My name is Mike Giannetti. Welcome to another edition of the Track Podcast. Going to try for three this week. I know we let you down last week with only one. I am headed back out of town next week, so there'll be a little spotty with recordings next week. But, of course, if uh, big news breaks, we'll hop on and figure this out. So I'll try to get you an extra one this week. Got a couple of things lined up that hopefully come to fruition, but just keeping you up to date on what's happening there. Today we're going to spin around the NFL. There's plenty to go on here. So the uh, COVID-19 stuff and the agreements between the league and the NFLPA appear to have been signed. That means quite a few things. Number one being that training camps officially open. So we'll stay away from that and let bygones be bygones there. There are some financials to get to. I really want to dive into the opt-outs. There's a lot of question marks on that. We've got some answers figured out on that, including the deadline. Uh, we'll talk Joey Bosa, of course. That's a big-time contract. And I really kind of touched on Jamal Adams just a little bit in that trade in the last piece with Scott. I want to dive back into that and maybe what, what else might be coming down the pipeline in terms of transactional moves, trades, and 2021, again, as we get a little bit more clarity on what might happen with the financial system in the NFL going forward. But outside of that, the NBA starts tomorrow. I'll give you some numbers I think might happen and come to fruition on that as well. Baseball is hanging on by a thread. I'm not going to get into that much at all here. We know what's happening with the Marlins. It's up to 17 players now off a 30-man roster that have tested positive, which, again, you know, it doesn't mean these guys are out of commission. They're just, they just can't play. They can't be active. So it makes sense for that team to pause right now. It does appear that the league is going to shift to a percentage winning percentage system to determine playoff teams because it's just it's not likely that the Phillies the Yankees the Marlins of course will get to 60 games so they're going to have to go by winning percentage I mean the Marlins are leading the NL East still right now so you know as a Met fan what the heck but that's how we're going to do it right now we're going to have to just get through this thing as as much as possible the schedule is going to have to be flexible and fluid and you know I think it's bittersweet that we're we're having this lump in the road here early because at least baseball is having to get their act together and they've certainly put in the man hours to get this thing done and figured out and get teams back on the field as quickly as possible while keeping people safe hopefully there's a few more things that come down the pipeline i saw actually saw watching games last night there were a couple of runners at first wearing masks and i saw a couple of middle infielders wearing masks as they became close to runners at second base so I think it's doable. Small things like that, small tweaks like that. We mentioned, you know, we got to space out the dugouts, things like that. I hope that all happen. That just seems easy. Let's just do it. Let's get this thing going and keep this thing alive for 60 games as much as possible. But we'll get back to baseball as soon as possible. Um, you know, I expect there'll be a couple more contracts signed as well in that league. But we got a big one last night. Let's start with Joey Bosa. So Bosa gets a $135 million new money extension with the Chargers. It, you know, it didn't certainly come out of anywhere. This was going to happen. This was going to happen. And Miles Garrett coming first was probably the right move. And also the right move for the Browns, by the way. You got to get that done. You set the market 
for Joey Bosa and the Chargers because you're certainly not going to surpass that. Joey Bosa is just a better player. He's just got more intangibles. Uh, I think there's a higher ceiling on Joey Bosa. Here's the question I want to bring up with this contract because everything about it's great. I mean, $102 million guaranteed, $78 million fully guaranteed at signing. I mean, that's more fully guaranteed than Patrick Mahomes got, certainly more than Miles Garrett got. Um, everything about this is a, is a next step up. It's one of the biggest defensive contracts in the history of football in terms of total value. It's second only to Cleo Mack, which you can argue is a great contract on a weird team. And that's the point I want to make here. Um, <laughs> I, I don't want to knock the Chargers because I absolutely love the Chargers defense. Love it. I've loved it for years to the point of where I, I think that they could have snuck into the playoffs and really done some damage with the roster they have. You know, that second season we talk about, that, that November, December, January season where, you know, we're running the ball and we're playing good defense. That's really how you win games late in the year. They were built for this. I mean, the Melvin Gordon, Austin Eckler setup with – you know, a Derwin James, Joey Bosa, Melvin, Melvin Ingram, just to name a few, that's, that's exactly the recipe you want heading into the later, later part of the NFL season. They just couldn't stay healthy. I mean, the entire defense was decimated with injuries last training camp. The same thing happened in the middle of the year in 2018. So, you know, you just wanted to see this thing come together for 16 games. The problem here is this. We're in a passing league. We are in a quarterback-driven league. I'm not sure the Los Angeles Chargers know what the heck they are. On, in those regards right now. Certainly they've got weapons on that side of the ball. You know, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen to some degree, if he can stay healthy, Hunter Henry, if he can stay healthy, those are options. They've signed Austin Eckler, and he's obviously a playmaker. So there's a core there if they want it, and that's the point I want to make. Tyrod Taylor is only going to give you, you know, up to a certain threshold, and that's fine. I mean, he's, a, he's certainly a game manager. He can extend plays a little bit as well. He's going to win you some games. He took a mediocre Bills team into the playoffs when they didn't deserve to be there at all. So that's probably the anticipation here early on, at least in 2020 with the Chargers. But so much of this is who is Justin Herbert. I mean, they just burned a gigantic draft pick on a quarterback that's a high ceiling, high potential, but maybe a lot of qu more question marks than we want. We're at, we're at the point of where he was drafted. So to some degree, I think a lot of this relies on him. Now, look, this could, this could be a Josh Rosen situation where they went all in. If it works, awesome. If it doesn't work, he's out the door. And they just don't even look back, and they, and they kind of flex and go from there. You know, maybe this is a Dak Prescott landing spot next year. Maybe this is an Aaron Rodgers trade spot next year. So those, those options are going to be there. I mean, we talked about this in the last pod, how you know, Jalen Hurts and Jordan Love could be trade ships right now for a lot of teams down the road, maybe, maybe in a year from now, you know, where's Andy Dalton land? Where does Cam Newton land again? There's a lot of, you know, maybes right now at the quarterback position in terms of active players. We're not even talking about the players coming out of the draft and who might go all the way down to the bottom to get those players. But I look at the chargers. I look at this contract and, and generally speaking, you'll hear from me, you know, well, the quarterback's not paid. So go and pay that play, player, go and pay your, your, your WR one. You know, go and pay an edge rusher. Go and pay a cornerback. This is really the only massive contract on this roster right now for all intents and purposes. I mean, Austin Eckler got a solid extension, but they didn't have to break the bank on Austin Eckler because he was an undrafted free agent. So you go from zero to six instead of four to ten in terms of the contract size. So, you know, Melvin Ingram got paid what seems like forever ago, 
And if, if they think that he's still a player he can be, he's 31 years old now heading into 2020, but it's a contract year for Melvin Ingram. So seeing Joey Bosa get paid, that's a, that's a little bit of a, of, of a question mark there, right, with how this Chargers defense might look going forward. Do they now extend Melvin Ingram at his age, 30-plus, knowing Bosa's been paid? Question mark for sure. You know, they've got a, a secondary that's definitely in place. Uh, you know, Chris Harris is newly added to that. He's relatively cheap based on his age and where he's coming from. They still haven't really figured out that offensive line. Brian Belog is that left tackle now coming over from Green Bay where he didn't play left tackle. And they certainly made a move to get another guard in place as well. So they're trying. They're certainly trying to put together a, and maybe, maybe piece together is a better word, the right fit for the system. But the quarterback's a question mark. <laughs> That's a terrifying way to enter a season when one quarterback we know is, you know, slightly above average, but doesn't have massive potential, massive high ceiling in Tyrod Taylor. And, and the, the rookie, I, I think it's just going to be a crapshoot year for him with no training camp, really no offseason workouts. You know, he's holding a clipboard basically for the entire season here. And that's probably exactly what they want. And if he works out in 2021, if he's the guy that steps in and takes over, you know, a la Patrick Mahomes with the Chiefs, great, great. That's the old school way to do it. That's how teams used to do it. Give the guy the year off to, to get acclimated with the offense. Like I said, there's, a, there's pieces there. And now Joey Bosa owns that massive contract. He is that one player at the top of the list now, especially going forward, that has been paid on this roster. It's an okay system. It's, it's slightly scary. It's slightly scary, and certainly we haven't seen the structure of the contract yet, so we don't know how that $78 million is dispersed, but I would venture to believe that it's all over the first two and a half to three years. I would venture that for sure. Um, I, I, you know, we're hard-pressed to find anybody getting, getting fully guaranteed money in that fourth year right now, so you know, that's a lot of dough up front. Probably a big-time signing bonus, although the Chargers are pr usually pretty good about signing bonuses. Generally speaking, they... Uh, they kind of push things down into year two or year three, which has become standard with a lot of teams. But we'll see. We'll see how the structure of it is. You know, I'm just thinking positionally, financially, as a whole with this entire roster. It's not, like I said, this didn't surprise me. I don't, I don't think it surprised many people that Joey Bosa got a gigantic contract at $27 million a year. Uh, is it surprising in a COVID-19 season with plenty of financial risks, with revenue you know, certain to, to dump out here, especially in the Chargers situation where there's a stadium and, you know, the Rams, Chargers split and all that happening. Uh, I imagine it's not great times financially for anyone out there in L.A. right now, but I get it. This is a guy you just don't want to leave. There was a lot of speculation that maybe he was going to end up with Nick Bosa at some point in time, you know, at least for the next three seasons. That's probably out of the question. Now, the Chargers have locked this guy in. He is their their centerpiece in terms of the defensive side of the ball. Who's the centerpiece on the offensive side? That's the question mark. And, uh, you know, they might not find out who that is until Joey Bosa's guaranteed money is, is out, is out of this contract. So that's fine. If that's how they want to play it, they, you know, you're paying, paying the edge rusher. No one's ever going to yell at that. Just pay your edge rushers. Pay your shutdown corner still. Pay a, pay a top wide receiver if you need to, which they did. They gave Keenan Allen a good chunk of money. They gave Austin Eckler reputable money. He's certainly the playmaker right now. So it's good. I still like this team a lot. Uh, but, you know, in 18 months, where will we be? Where will they be? Where will the quarterback position be? And will Joey Bosa's financial situation fit at that point in time? Who knows? Good deal, though. Really nice deal. I mean, an all-time defensive deal. Historic average salary at $27 million. Historic guarantees at 102. Historic guarantee at signing at 78. 
like I said, just under Khalil Mack for that total value. And outside of that, I would expect this to be big-time money. And, oh, by the way, I hope the 49ers are saving up out there because this, is, this now becomes the floor for Nick Bosa, who's not even eligible until after 2021. So he's got to play two more seasons before he becomes extension eligible. So nice big contract to sneak in here after Mahomes. Uh, who's next? Who do we think is going to be next? I know Kenny Galladay, the wide receiver in Detroit, is probably on the short list for getting an extension. We don't know what the heck is happening with Jalen Ramsey and the Rams. I would venture to believe that's not going to happen this offseason. He'll play that fifth-year option out and then maybe get a tag slapped on him. We know Jamal Adams will not be extended. That was part of the deal that uh, you know multiple reports have, t- have told me personally that part of the trade out of the Jets was we're not going to extend you in Seattle, at least not this year. We're going to give it a year. Seattle's in a holding pattern. They're all in to win. They're making this work right now financially. That might mean bringing back Jadavian Clowney still. You never know if that price drops enough, they can squeeze that in. They are certainly all in in 2020. So I get it. Let's talk to Molly Adams real quick. Trade values. We've talked about it a bunch, maybe six months or so ago. Uh, it's, it's something that the, that the NFL is going to have to get really good at soon, these teams, these GMs, because I really think we're going to see a gigantic offseason of trades next March, next February, when this thing lights back up. Because if the cap does drop to 175, that's going to put a lot of GMs in a really tough position. And we've talked about do you restructure your quarterbacks, do you restructure your massive defensive contracts, you know, guys you're safe with being here for the next couple of years just to make sure that your cap's safe for 2021. Do you, do you essentially mortgage your future or do you actually cut players and trade players? Trading is always going to be the benefit, right? If you trade, you can get guaranteed salary off your cap. You can certainly get something back in value, whether that's a cheaper player or a couple of draft picks, which turn into cheaper contracts. I just think as a whole, GMs are going to be looking to trade. And if your teams that have cap space, and we mentioned them on the last show, one of them being the New England Patriots, and oh, by the way, these opt-outs, which I'll get to in a couple of minutes here, that's only making the cap situation better for most of these teams, you know, because you're taking salaries from this year, which generally are lower than salaries for next year, and you're pushing them into next year. So if you had a $7 million salary this year and a $9 million salary next year, that's $2 million saved next year for your, for your team, respectively, right there, because everything's being pushed out a year for, you know, the entire contract's being pushed back one year. So it's, <laughs> it's kind of a necessary evil for some of these teams that are in cap trouble now and who are definitely going to be in cap trouble next year with a cap, when the salary cap has to drop a bit, maybe a lot. But, you know, you've got these Nate Solders, these Marcus Cannons, certainly these, you know, the Marquise Goodwin, that contract in Philadelphia where they're in a real mess in terms of cap in 2021. You're saving cap this year and next year because of these opt-outs. No, it's not ideal. You want these players on the field, you know, for the most part. But it's a big part of it. And there's going to be some creativity happening right now to get ready for next year's situation. And I, I, I'm not telling you that the Patriots, that Bill Belichick is getting on the phone with some of these players and saying, hey, you know, you sure you want to take the risk this year? I, I, don't, think he's, I don't think that's happening. I'm not putting that in anybody's ear, even though there's probably plenty of speculation out there that that, that is happening because they have routinely found loopholes. They have routinely done everything right up against the uh, circumvention wall in terms of their finances and their cap and how they operate with their contract systems. We talked about it a little bit with Cam Newton, how they kept their cap space nice and low to make sure they could leverage as small a contract as possible. That absolutely happened, and it's good business, even though it's ethically kind of trashy. Good for them. Whatever. Good for them. They, they're sitting here with 
you know, 25 and change right now in 2020 in terms of cap space. And if we turn to 2021, 50 million plus right now. They're second only to the Colts who don't have a quarterback. I guess you can say that's the same situation with the Patriots. They don't have a quarterback under contract outside of Stidham and Hoyer, almost at minimum salary. So there's going to be room for big teams. Guess who's third on that list right now? Excuse me, fourth on that list. The Chargers, the aforementioned Chargers. Now that'll drop considerably once Joey Bosa's number gets in there. But that's, that's what I mean. They were in position already to put a contract like that on their cap because they can push it the next year where other teams wouldn't be able to do that. So get them done now. You know, you, what you don't want to do is you don't want to have to sign Joey Bosa in 2022 when that cap bounces back, when the NFL revenue bounces back, when the TV contracts come in. That's a terrifying sight for teams sitting down with agents who know exactly how much money has just become available to teams because of the, rev- the revenue trickle-down from the TV contracts. Uh, you know, that's not a position you want to be in. So I get Miles Garrett getting his money right now and certainly Bosa following suit. So the Chargers are in one of those teams in decent shape. And then you got a couple of bad teams, the Jaguars, the Washington football team, I have to say it, the Bengals, who have to be considered bad, even though they've got themselves a quarterback now. And then you got the Ravens, who, boy, they just keep doing things right. And if Lamar Jackson continues, to, even if he plateaus, right, even if last year was his ceiling, his max, holy cow. Right, because they they added a playmaker, they added a couple of defensive pieces almost accidentally by trade, by the way, which is the point I'm trying to make here. And uh, they're going to have some wiggle room this year and next year in terms of their cap based on what they've done because they've continually kept things moving, they've been fluid, they're not sitting, they're not resting on their laurels, they're not seeing, you know, well, this player is a little bit above, you know, below par, but we'll keep him on because he's a good locker room guy. Nope, those guys are gone. If you're, not key, if you're not holding up your end of the bargain and you've got a significant amount of cap charge, you're out the door. That is the Patriots' way. That is the Fall in love with nobody. That's the Patriots' way. Business first, football, right, football 1A, right? And uh, that's what the good teams have to do to keep, continue to, keep, to be good. That's how dynasties remain intact. You've got a core, and as long as those, those core players hold up their own, and they agree to somewhat team-friendly contracts and cap situations or restructures, however you have to do it. You know, built-in second-year restructures is generally how a lot of these teams operate. As long as you can do that, you can keep your core intact. That's what we've, essentially what we've seen the Chiefs do. Now, they're running up right against it, and they're going to be in trouble next year. They're going to be in trouble. There's no way around it. They're going to be in trouble. There's going to be moves to make. Do you have to extend Tyron Matthew just to lower his cap hit? Fine, do it. You know, do you have to move on a couple of defensive linemen, not named Chris Jones? You know, maybe Frank Clark Clark is in question now. Maybe he's a questionable asset going forward now. This is his final year maybe of guaranteed money. So, you know, there's going to be teams that have to make tough, tough decisions, but the creativity is starting right now, especially with the good teams, especially with the smart teams. It's happening right now, and the Patriots are one of those teams, unfortunately, okay? There's tons of opt-outs happening with them. It's going to save them cap space. I'm not telling you the Patriots are forcing this, this hand. I'm saying it's happening, and they're going to gain 2021 cap space because of it. And what they do with that, I promise you, will include trades. And they will be one of the better teams at it because they continually, annually trade players. They trade for players. They trade away players. They have a handle on valuations. right? They, they, they have their own, I'm, I'm sure, internal trade charts. They know exactly what Brandon Cooks cost when they bring him in because they can flip him for that exact price a year later. They did it. They did it. And they will do it again. 
Okay. We will see this happen. It's one of the reasons I think the Rams should strongly consider trading Jalen Ramsey. That is what smart teams do when they get in a pickle. And the Rams are in a pickle right now. I don't think giving Jalen Ramsey $20 million, And by the way, Joey Bosa's contract isn't just good for edge rushers. It's good for all those other positions because you're bringing the entire defensive financial structure up with you. It's just a fact of life. So when we're talking about our Tredavious Whites and our Jalen Ramseys and these cornerbacks who have proven their worth. If it was 18 last week, it's, it's closer to 20 now. That's life. That's just how it works. You know, we've got inside linebackers and Bobby Wagner and C.J. Mosley making 17 and $18 million a year right now. So how do you justify that position versus the shutdown corner position in terms of similar price tags? That's just not going to fly. Any, any, any good agent's going to sit down and say, that, that's not going to work for us. And if the Rams don't want to do that, then, then take the Patriots model. Okay? Take the Patriots model. Get yourself 99 cents on the dollar for the trade you made, even though you might have to take a six-day you know, bath in, in, on social media. Well, you, you gave up all this for a guy you had for one year. You didn't even get to the playoffs with him, and now he's out the door. You know what? If it's the right business move for you right now in this window, do it. Absolutely. You did it with Brandon Cooks. You, you, you traded for him. You signed him. You had to take a huge dead cap hit and pay him money to get out the door. And you did the same thing with Todd, Todd Gurley for injury reasons, of course. But they had enough pride. You know, they, they swallowed enough of their pride to make those moves. I really think they have to be considering the same with Jalen Ramsey because much like the conversation I just gave you with Joey Bosa where even though it's a position of power, you know, the edge rusher, is, you, is this team right now ready for that contract? I'm not sure the Rams are ready for Jalen Ramsey's contract. I'm not sure. I think they have to do a little bit more cleansing before they can start to build back up. But we'll see. They might go and sign Ramsey and Cooper Cup in the next 24 hours and make me look like a fool. I'm just putting it out there that as a cautionary tale, there, there's a time to sign certain positions. There's a time to give out $20 million contracts. And, you know, some teams, picking the wrong time, let me put it this way, picking the wrong time to do it can be extremely damaging to your franchise. We've seen it happen a bunch. You know, there's a lot of people that think the Cleveland Browns with Miles Garrett might be the worst timing contract of this entire season. You know, people laughed at Christian McCaffrey. Why is a running back getting paid on a team that is literally Vegas odds to be the worst team in football this year? Well, because they have a quarterback, because they have a running back, because they have two wide receivers, because, yes, they mortgage some of their defense, but guess what they're, guess what they're going to do with that number one pick next year? You know, if they get the number one overall pick and they don't want Trevor Lawrence, they're going to trade it for an absolute pile. That's going to be able to rebuild their defense, bring in some more weapons, maybe even bring in a second-round you know, quarterback to compete with Teddy Bridgewater. Lots of good things. So that's why Christian McCaffrey works, because Christian McCaffrey can hold up that and, and be the singular playmaker at times for a pretty darn good offense that just has to click. And then, like I said, they can, they can still go down, down and be terrible and replenish that defense using the draft. I get that philosophy. The Browns have a ton of veteran talent, a ton of high-paid offensive talent. They are built to win, but they're not winning. And that has to do with the quarterback play. You know, for a lot of people, that's where, that, that's where the, the problem lies. The problem is Baker Mayfield could be one and done here. You know, this could be a walkaway year for, for Josh Allen, for Baker Mayfield, for Sam Darnold. This is a big, big year for them financially and for a, as a career starter. You know, there's not going to be – we mentioned Josh Rosen and, and Justin Herbert – you know, the Arizona Cardinals kind of changed everything when they cut Josh Rosen, when they traded Josh Rosen to the Miami Dolphins, excuse me. 
because they gave up on him immediately. They, it was like going on a first date and five seconds into the date, you realize this isn't the person for you and you throw it on a $20 bill and say, I'm out of here. Instead of sitting through the entire dinner and saying, oh, you know, I'll, I'll sit through this, I'll, I'll suck it up and then I'll, I'll never see this person again. Nope, that's not what the Arizona Cardinals did. That's what teams used to do because they didn't want to have to, you know, explain themselves. Why did you draft this guy t- number 10 overall if you're just going to get rid of him a day later and pay him a huge signing bonus? Because they can, because NFL teams can now, because there's a lot of cap, because there's plenty of cash coming in. I understand the current situation, but I'm not concerned about the NFL making money ever again. It's going to happen very, very soon. And, uh, you know, the quarterback position is no longer on a pedestal. If you're not good enough to make it, you're going to be out the door for most of these franchises. So I believe that to be the case with Josh Allen, Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, if it's a step-back year for any of those players. And speaking to the Browns specifically, the Browns have so much other money and cap and and luxury invested into Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry, you know, maybe soon Nick Chubb, maybe possibly Kareem Hunt as well, Austin Hooper, a new a fresh new contract, and now of course Miles Garrett. You know, they they have they have assessed their roster and said these five six players are good enough to get massive numbers, to get massive money from us. Again, <laughs> what do we? What happens when that's still the case next year, but Baker Mayfield is not the answer? You have to start over at the most important position with a high-paid roster around you. That's dangerous stuff. That's, that's ugly stuff. That's a bad way to build. So it's a risky move for the Browns to continue to go down that rabbit hole and keep throwing money down the hole at it when Baker Mayfield may be, may be coming out of that hole soon. Just something to think about as you see these massive contracts come in. Don't just look at the numbers. Don't just look at the guarantees. Don't just look at, you know, the cool media posts you see. Uh, Is this team ready for that money, ready for that contract, ready for that position to be paid? Uh, You know, and if not, then it could be trouble for that team in as as early as 12 months. That's how quickly you, you can hate a contract in this league, 12 months. All right. Today's episode is also brought to you by Dynasty Owner. Do you think you're smarter than an NFL GM? Do you think you're the best at fantasy football? Here is your chance to prove it. Dynasty Owner unites the fun and excitement of fantasy football with the skill and strategy of the front office and the business side of owning an NFL franchise. Build a roster of players using actual NFL contracts and salaries. Build a winner. Stay under the salary cap. Visit DynastyOwner.com and join a league today. Win cash prizes and compete for the chase for the ring. Really, a ring, a beautiful ring. I've seen it. Tell them Spotrex sent you, and you'll get an extra bonus after joining your league. Again, that's DynastyOwner.com, and tell them Spotrex sent you. All right, so the big news this week, of course, has been the NFL opt-outs. We're hearing there's dozens of opt-outs. Uh, we're also hearing some discrepancies on when the deadline for opting out actually is. Here's the reasoning. The actual language and letter you know agreement has not been signed between the nfl and the nflpa that might happen honestly while i'm having this conversation right now uh, when it does there's seven days after that agreement is officially signed so that could be august 5th 6th 7th something somewhere around there probably middle of next week will be the official deadline for players to opt out and the reason you're seeing so many players come forward right now you know vocally publicly social media wise is because they need a uh, tangible reason to not show up at training camp if they, because if they don't if they just don't show up to training camp they'll be fined fifty thousand dollars a day uh and lose lose an accrued season much of which matters to benefits for a lot of the veterans here so 
you know, they've got to come out and say, I'm going to opt out whenever it's actually possible to do that, whenever the agreement happens and I can file my paperwork officially to make myself opt out. Um, but I have to say that now so I don't report to camp. I believe training camps will officially open probably tomorrow, the 30th or, you know, Thursday the 30th, which will then allow players to officially file. So just semantics, background noise, but the official deadline will be probably brought to light tomorrow at some time. And my guess is it'll be August 6th or 7th. So just to get it out there that there's been some discrepancy. Originally, it was supposed to be August 1st, but the agreement has not been officially signed. So we've got to push everything back. Typical stuff. So uh, the big ones here is Nate Solder. Uh, kind of breaking news here right now as I'm having this conversation. Giants left tackle, high priced, maybe overpriced. Uh, left tackle Nate Solder posted a, a really nice personal message on social media today saying that, you know, if after a family decision here, he's going to pause his season. It's uh, it's a lot of pause. I mean, he's taking $9.9 million away this year, pushing it to next year. Uh, you know, they'll still keep everything else on their cap. And that's what we want, the discussion I want to have here. So there's been a lot of back and forth and question marks as to how this works. So anything that's been paid, all right, if there's a signing bonus that was paid last year that splits over five years, you know, that proration, that stays. That still stays in 2020. These players are going on an exempt list on Track. You'll see them in, in their own table. Um, you know, they're not going to count against the, the, the 53 at the end of the day. And uh, any cap that remains has been paid to them. So, for instance, Nate Solder was paid a $3 million roster bonus on March 18th. That stays on the Giants' 2020 cap, as does the workout bonus, as does the $6.5 million of proration from his original signing bonus and the restructured bonus. That all stays. So he, t- he still counts for $9.6 million in 2020 to the Giants. Now, that $9.9 million base salary, which, of course, has not been paid yet, that pushes to 2021. All right? So that moves away. Here's the big thing. Here's, here's why a lot of these players, obviously there's a health side of it. There's a family side of it. You know, a lot of these players are having babies right now, uh, you know, have parents or wives or, or, or children with health risks, and you got to get away. you got to do it. you got to step away from this whole situation right now, and I completely understand that, and I, I give them a lot of credit for, for pausing this year and, uh, you know, putting their career in jeopardy. How else do you say it? I mean, every year you don't play it gets scarier and scarier. These these 10 years get shorter and shorter every single season here, and that's unfortunate for these veteran players. But for this is, wh- this is what happens, okay? Based on that original COVID-19 agreement that was placed uh, around, around the, uh, the media here a couple of weeks ago, the second we get to week one, the second the, the season officially starts and we kick off week one, everybody's salary becomes prorated. Everyone. Everyone's sitting on a 117th salary every week which means if they only play nine games, anyone who's been active for those nine weeks gets nine seventeenths of their salary. And if there's a per game bonus, they get nine sixteenths of the bonus. Okay. So you're taking a risk by starting the season. No question about it. There's no question about it. So if you've been paid a signing bonus or a roster bonus this year already, I get it. (laughs) I get it. You know, take your 150, your $150,000 stipend and go home and Relax with your family and keep yourself healthy and in shape and then come back next, next offseason. I, I get that for a lot of these players. It's tough to see. You're going to see teams start to get decimated. There's going to be a competitive balance problem in terms of teams losing too many players to opt-outs. If we're hearing dozens yesterday and we can't even officially have opt-outs yet, how many is this going to be? Is it going to be close to 60 or 70 by the end of the day? I, I hope not, but I fear, for, I fear for it. 
awful lot of players are being put on this COVID-19 list right now because they've tested positive. Awful lot. So it's going to scare more and more players. And like I said, if you've been paid a signing bonus or been handed a roster bonus this year already, you've been paid. You got some cash, you know. Preserve that bait, that P5 salary, push it to next season, and let's see how we can go from here. Another big point to make on these opt-outs, the second you officially do opt-out, your contract pauses. It is locked. That team can't restructure it. They can't trade you. They can't cut you. You are locked. So you can't come back in, okay? You can't renege on that idea. You, you can't come back into that at all, and uh, they can't do anything about it either. So there's some safety mechanisms in place as well in terms of your financial future. But, you know, you're taking the risk that when, when, you, when you unlock... <laughs> that the team still wants you. And quite frankly, for Nate Solder, uh, there's going to be question marks with that because they did draft very high in this draft, uh, you know, his, his eventual replacement, Andrew Thomas. Uh, I think he becomes the left tackle. I think the, the, the agreement was Nate Solder probably t- converts the right tackle probably in 2021. Hopefully that will still be the plan for him, but he'll be overpaid at that point. He'll be overpaid. Uh, he was one of the bigger free agent signings last year, two years ago now, so... It's a bit of a risk in terms of his financial future, but I understand it. I give him credit for it. Uh, very, he put a very nice post up. Like I said, most of these players who are opting out are doing the same. They're doing it for very smart reasons. It's you know the money is a small factor of it, and you know all the all the bullet points I've given you here, those aren't factoring into many people's decisions. I'm just telling you those are causes and effects. There's no question about it. Cause and effect, um, and teams hate to see the players come off the roster. But there's cash relief and there's cap relief this year and next year. And it's just a fact. When contracts toll and salary caps are fluid, everybody kind of wins there. So keep an eye on that. Keep an eye on the 2021 cap hits on our site. So just to, just to go through this again so that there's a, no confusion. Anything that's been paid, any proration that was already on the cap stays. We're just talking about things like roster, like week one roster bonuses, training camp bonuses, P5 base salaries and uh, per game active bonuses and any kind of likely incentives, those all push forward. Those all push into 2021 in toll because they haven't been accounted for yet. But anything that's been accounted for, a paid roster bonus, a paid workout bonus, obviously a paid signing bonus or a restructure bonus, that stays. That, that's got to stay on the cap for 2020. So it's not going to be a gigantic cap savings this year for anyone who opts out and pushes things forward a little bit. But it'll, it'll help. There's no question it'll help. There'll be a rollover, and there'll be cap savings next year when that lower base salary is in place. So keep an eye on it. The numbers are starting to pile up in terms of opt-outs, and uh, let's be uh, let's be sensible <laughs> when we react to these things. It it stinks that the Patriots lost six players. It stinks, and maybe we're not, there's going to be a lot more than that. Uh, but understand that these are very personal decisions. These are very personal reasons that are going into place here, you know, and the money, while we we do track the money and well, I'm going to speak to the money effects of it, you know, these guys aren't thinking about that so much because for the most part, look, Dante Hightower, he's made his money. He's won his Super Bowls, right? If he needs to pause for a couple of months to get through it, a, a pandemic until we get a vaccine and they, he feels safe coming back and playing football, let's let him do it. That's all I'm saying. Let's Let's let everybody take a pass this year who needs to take a pass and those who do come back, hopefully there's a, there's a good health and safety structure in place so we can get through as many weeks as possible. And that goes for all sports, especially as we start basketball. 
Have you ever wanted to take a shot at getting a $12,000 Michael Jordan rookie card or a $1,600 autographed Tom Brady helmet for a fraction of the price? Hit Parade is the premier authentic autographed sports memorabilia mystery box manufacturer in the country. Take a shot at getting an autographed item from the biggest names in all of sports. I follow them on Instagram every single day. <laughs> There's new stuff up there that makes me want to go and spend thousands of dollars. So uh, give them a follow there as well. It's really HP Collect, I believe, on Twitter uh, and Inst- Hit Parade on Instagram. They're on Facebook as well. Posting plenty of information, plenty of deals. They're doing their hits pretty much every day. Trading cards, memorabilia, all that stuff. It's, they, they got everything. And they got a great website, dacardworld.com. That's dacardworld.com. It's the exclusive online provider of the Hit Parade collection. No one has more hits than Hit Parade. All right, speaking of the NBA, I want to finish on this real quick because uh, we're going to get going tomorrow, God willing, and we'll run this thing through September, October with, uh, you know, hopefully a good playoff season. So the questions come up a lot. Why are we playing these eight games kind of leading up to the postseason? The NHL is going straight to the playoffs. You know, baseball can't get to the postseason fast enough, I promise you that. Uh, you know, it's all about, in terms of the money, in terms of the sponsorships and, and the revenue, it's all about the postseason. So why is, why is the NBA bringing in these extra teams like the Wizards, you know, and, and the Pelicans? Why are they doing this when you think keeping as many people out of the bubble would be smarter? Well, I, uh, I had the pleasure of listening to Brian Windhorst this morning from ESPN on the Tony Kornheiser podcast. I, I give that podcast a listen quite often. Um, and Windhorst has been a ver- uh, kind of a regular guest, and he brings it every time. I mean, he is so inside of this basketball stuff, and he always takes a financial take. He, he always brings that side of it into the conversation because, let's be honest, it's all about money. Everything's about money, in some, especially in, this, in these major sports leagues. There's always a track back to the financial side, um, and Windhorst nailed it this morning. So I'm actually going to play you a clip from that, that podcast this morning, Here's the It's Brian Windhorst from ESPN. It's, it's his answer to why are these extra teams there? Why are we playing those regular season games leading into the postseason? Why does it matter? Well, no, there's a reason, Tony. It's, it's about money. Oh, um, well, okay. So, I mean, the, the way this worked was the players don't get paid for the playoffs, okay? Um, I mean, that's a sort of a loaded statement, but their contracts – don't cover playoff games. They only get paid for regular season games. So if you were just going to come, this is what I think a lot of people thought was the best idea. Um, there was going to be a lot less game checks to give players because th- these games wouldn't have been able to be broadcast. The, the teams would have had to give up some of that money. And frankly, just the way the contracts are written, it would have been a lot of money. Uh, so the way they were able to convince the players to agree to this is they built in, uh, these 88 games, and uh, for reasons I won't bore you with, that triggered a few things in various television contracts. And long story short, $650 million will be given to the players that they would have lost if they immediately wow. went to the, to the playoffs. Okay. And I'm sure that there was a lot of horse trading to get to the 22 teams. I'm sure 24 were on the board. No, 20. But $650 million is why they're playing these seeding games. And uh, I think it's, it's, it's dangerous um, for various reasons, but I can understand why the players and everybody's doing it. And I want to point something else out. It also gets, game, it also gets checks for players who didn't come. So players from the Minnesota Timberwolves, players from the Chicago Bulls, those guys are getting eight games worth of checks as well. It, I will bore you with those details because I think this is an unbelievable point. 
Again, I think Winhurst brought it this morning and again, like he usually does. Uh, $650 million is a pretty good reason to play 88 games, right? Eight, eight regular season games for pretty much for each team. You're going to spread it around. Uh, it's going to be a nice run up to this postseason for these NBA teams. And also you get to see a couple of big, big time players. Let's be honest. You get, you get Zion Williamson. You get a couple of these superstars back into the field. And I think the last point he made was the best point, right? Guys sitting home right now, the Bulls, the Warriors, right? Some of these teams that didn't get asked back into the bu- bubble, they get to get paid. They get to get paid now because the details he didn't want to bore you with is basically this. The, the sponsorship deals, the TV deals are based on games played, games broadcast. So uh, clearly there were a couple of riders in place that the league didn't get to when Rudy Gobert tested positive and the league have, had to shut down on March 14th. It, clearly there was another threshold of games being broadcast that the league didn't get to. So by playing these eight games, it's, it's a weird number, but it's probably a very important number to the contractual obligations of broadcasting games, those 88 additional games. It's going to get them to a, a, another milestone in those sponsorship agreements which clearly brings in, you know, nearly a billion dollars worth of revenue that can then be dispersed, obviously, to the teams, more importantly, to some of the players, and even the players who aren't being asked, being asked to come back, who had to pause their season as well. So everybody kind of wins here as long as the safety issue, you know, we don't have a ton of injuries happen in those eight games, of course, and obviously the COVID-19 situation, hopefully that remains at bay. But that's the answer. That's why you heard Brian say they went back and forth on how, the number of teams, the number of teams directly relates to the number of games that needs to be played, the 88 regular season games, which probably is the exact number they had to get to to get over that milestone in the sponsorship agreements, which gives them the $650 million that trickles back down to everybody. It's important. It's creative. It's exactly the conversation I've been having with you about the Patriots and all these other teams. The NBA has been on top of this stuff since Adam Silver stepped in the door. He has. He's been on top of it. And if you haven't watched any of these exhibition games yet, guys, guys and gals, do it. It looks freaking awesome. All right. They took away the empty seats. Sometimes, I mean, they are essentially in airport hangars for for all intents and purposes, but they have dialed it up with really great looking video game style decor. They've got basically black walls covering where the, the, the empty seats would be. You know, and they've got people s- seated nicely in front of them. So it looks like it's a full gymnasium based on what they're doing. Sponsorship black walls kind of looks like the old, uh, you know, three on three tournaments used to have in the gyms. It looks great. Courtside views. It looks awesome. So the production is going to be there. The, the thought process as to why we're having regular season games, why we're having 22 teams, it's all calculated. And it's calculated based on contractual agreements and money and making sure that the players get at least a little piece of the pie so everybody feels like that they're worth it right now. And that's why we haven't seen a ton of opt-outs, by the way, because players can show up and get paid. And those that do have to opt out, they get stipends, they get game checks. Everybody wins here, at least to some degree. I know, you know, everybody's taking a step back and a hit in 2020, but it's good to see this kind of thing being thought out. My thanks to Brian Windhorst for breaking that down this morning, and my thanks to the Tony Kornheiser Show for that great piece. All right, that's going to do it for me today. My thanks to The Athletic. Visit theathletic.com slash track for 40% off. My thanks to Dynasty Owner. It is fantasy football time. End of July is generally draft time for a lot of leagues. Visit dynastyowner.com. Mention Track sent you. You'll get a little bit something extra there. My thanks to Hit Parade. Follow them on the socials. You'll, uh, you'll get hooked pretty fast with the stuff that they're dealing out right there. dacardwell.com for all of their great products. 
My name is Mike Gennetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Spot Track Podcast.